You're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week, we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Mike, you're full of like little sayings. It's almost like you're a, I don't know, political slogan machine, political influencer. What's with that? I just collect little sayings. Like just when, when you hear cool stuff and you're like, ah, maybe that applies to fundraising or maybe I can spin that a little bit. So I just, I just like to collect little sayings and I've got, a, I've got a document that's full of little sayings and I've taken seven that we're going to go through today. And we're just going to call wasn't them. There, wasn't there like a famous guy who said, he who rules the memes rules the earth? Is that what you're <laughs> going after? <laughs> you, you're the king of, of fundraising memes. Your LinkedIn post the other day had like hundreds of, of likes. Yeah. I mean, no, I, that was, I just shared something interesting that a colleague shared. But kind of what I was going at is, you know, they're like, little sentences that hold maybe a profound truth and they're much easier to remember if you like have them in this short maybe sometimes alliterative form right it's kind of like viruses genes memes ideas yeah some sometimes they're called or some of these might be called heuristics which is just like a shorthand for something that helps you that is like a larger principle, but this is the shortcut for it. Some of it is just a pithy saying that makes an idea more sticky. Some of it is meant to take a complex idea and maybe simplify it to the point where it just seems stupid simple. So yeah, we we, we got lots of these. We're going to focus on seven today and we're just okay. going to call them. We're going to call them first principles. There's, 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 you sound like a philosopher. I'm going to call it management by mean. <laughs> management. Oh, I just made one up. Oh my god. That was goodness. amazing. You just made up a, a little a little heuristic. Yeah. It used to be management by walking around, then there was management by empowerment, now it's management by mean. Yeah, that's the way of the future. You Yeah. Okay. So let's let's go into the first one before we we keep being silly about this. Yeah, and we're um, we're calling these recession proof principles of first fundraising. And the reason we're calling it recession-proof, I, like, I have no idea if we're in a recession. People have been saying we're in a recession for two years. I have no idea. Here's what I do know. I do know that a lot of donor files we've seen are a little bit sluggish right now and have been sluggish for 12 to 18 months. So yeah, there's, there's maybe something going on. I don't know if it's a recession or not. But I also think that recession, whether it's a recession or not, that's not an excuse. Good fundraising is good fundraising. And there's money out there and there's people who want to give it away and find meaning and connection and purpose. So, that's, Okay, so it's kind of focus on the fundamentals and that's what's going to get you through the bumps. Yep. We might be in the middle of a bump. I'm not honestly so sure because all, all the down feeling and you know that data that seems so gloom is very often compared to last year. So... I don't know, maybe looking at things in three-year views is not such a bad idea or three-year mm -hmm. averages. And maybe people don't look so bad if they do that. But anyhow, I get it. 
your true principles. <laughs> but we, we, we are skipping about. right right over the three-year view because the COVID bump was amazing. So we're just going to take like five. a five-year view here already. And, and yeah. Exactly, because you're just going to look bad after that, no matter what. So mm, first one, consistency compounds. Okay, Warren Buffett, tell us about this. Yeah, so this is not a Warren Buffett talks about compounding a lot, but consistency compounds that might be like an Aristotle thing, even which is you cannot break the compounding. The moment you break the compounding effect, you've lost everything you've worked for. So a lot of people maybe get impatient after doing something for a year or two or three, and they go and do the next thing, and then they do go and do the next thing, and then they go and try the next thing. We've done a podcast about innovation and about you should be trying new things all the time, but you should be trying them kind of on the side as a minimum viable product and and then ramping it up, right? Your well, the, the compounding effect of some of the things that have worked, are working, just don't don't break that too easily because there is value there. And consistency over time is not as sexy as a breakthrough innovation that 10Xs something overnight, which rarely happens by the way, but that's the that's always the dream with a new innovation. So some of the fundraising fundamentals, just keep doing them, even even in a down year. Yeah. And, and maybe sometimes I like to think of like, you can also be consistent, like in math, you know, you take the first deriv- derivative. So you can be consistent at experimenting and that can be your consistency. Hmm. Of course, you're going to be experimenting with different things at different times, but there are, yes, there are principles and some of the most worthwhile things in fundraising have look are very slow at the beginning right they're very slow to take off and you need to stick with them until you get to that hockey stick moment you may never yeah. get to a hockey stick moment you might have a gradual slope that goes up 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 it, it may never even look like a hockey stick but Take take legacy marketing, for example, or, or mm-hmm. you know, you can't do something for two years and say, well, we gave it our best shot. You also can't. It didn't work. Yeah, we yeah. tried that, Mike. It didn't work. People weren't dying fast enough. Yeah. And you also can't, we also can't be talking about relationships. Fundraising is all about relationships and donor <laughs> lifetime value. Well, what's what's the lifetime of a person? 70, 80, 90, 50 years. That's that's why consistency compounds. If you're really thinking lifetime, well, you're thinking decades, you're not thinking years. Yeah. I had I have an equivalent saying to that, which is consistency is key. So it seems like we're on to something there. I learned that in my very first internship where I was driving everybody nuts because I wasn't consistent. <laughs> Okay, money flows where attention goes. And just even that sentence just like rolls off your tongue. Is this similar to your mind share before wallet share saying? It's a little bit of a focusing thing, which is like strategy is oftentimes about choosing which things you are going to do and then which things you are not going to do. So the things that you are going to do, you're going to give it your attention. And the more attention you give it, and the more focused attention you give it consistently over time, yeah. 
more money is going to flow from that activity, right? And yeah. oftentimes it's not about one thing being better than the other. One of these is corporate partnerships is a good example. Very mm-hmm. few people focus in on corporate partnerships. Everybody says they want to. And so there is some sort of event and you try to get some corporate partnerships to get sponsorships. And a year in, you're like, it's just too hard. Now, I, it's not a strategy I personally would choose because I know nothing about it. But there are some brilliant corporate partnership people out there who will tell you this is a marathon. And if you focus on it and you put your attention on it, there's lots of money on the other end of it. So this is a little bit, it's kind of like the first principle, which is consistency compounds. It's, it's just like, hey, wherever you choose to put your attention, that's where your results are going to come from. And if you put your attention in a hundred different places, you're actually splitting up that laser beam a hundred different ways. And you know, you kind of want to focus that laser beam on a few things and and give them your most of your attention because that's that's where the money is going to come from. So I have another example. I'm going through annual planning with a number of clients right now. And I would say for every one of them, the focus is on how much we're asking and how much we're getting versus last year. And, you know, lots of presentations, lots of data. Mm. Mm, And that's, you know, and then you kind of wonder, well, you know, why is the pipeline drying up? Why don't we have more loyal donors? Well, it just starts there, right? It starts in you're putting your attention 100% in the other in in that in the other category you're going to come up naturally with strategies good strategies to support that it's not really magical like everybody can think of the tactics or at least some of the tactics you know yes you know maybe you and I Mike can maybe do things marginally better but everybody can think of the tactics if it's your focus but if it isn't then it just becomes really hard to to improve yeah i'm with you Okay, action yields information. Yeah, this is my this is my version of Facebook's move fast and break things. Um, mm-hmm. So my version of that is just like you need to take an action and then you're going to learn from that action. And if you have this bias toward action, well guess what? You're going to be collecting information a lot quicker. Now, here's here's the point of clarification. Somebody might hear this and might say what do you mean action yields information? You just told us that consistency compounds do the same thing forever. Roughly speaking, here's how we think budget should break down a fundraising budget. 7 to 10% of your budget should be innovation, new stuff. 50-ish percent should be one-on-one, personal, personal one-on-one stuff. And the rest should be mass comms, marketing, direct response, that kind of stuff. But 7 to 10% should be like, new stuff that you're going to try. And when you're trying new stuff, the only way you're going to know if, it, if it's going to work is to actually like do the damn thing. Just get something out the door, just do it and then learn from it. It's only a failure if you don't learn from it. It's only a yeah. failure if you're on your fifth golf tournament that was a failure and you haven't learned from the previous four. There's so much fun. Mike, don't take that away from me. And yeah, I don't know if... I'm within the bias towards action. And I think every successful organization I've seen had a bias toward action. 
focus is sometimes an issue, especially in nonprofits, because if you have lots of bias toward action in lots of different departments and they're all tugging in different directions. So like the direction of that action, I think is important. And I also, I'm not so sure if I would put innovation in its own separate category. It's, I don't know. It's like another of those principles, you know, DEI. Now we're going to create a department for that. So we can all feel like we're doing something. Well, I think it's a kind of be a part of, hopefully in an ideal situation, it's a part of everything you do. So you're always maybe experimenting while you're, I, I mean, I think you have to have that, that duality in your brain. You're doing the same things consistently. You're thanking people consistently, but still you might be trying new things. I don't, yeah, I don't know where I stand 100%. Yeah, so that's, so I would argue what you're talking about is improving things. So continuous learning and continuous innovation is improving on the things you're doing. I'm saying like seven to 10% stuff you've never, ever done before. You tried getting your desk sponsored with, was it an NFT project or I can't remember what it was. You remember Uh, that? I got, yeah, I was, yeah, I, it was, it was a complete, I'm not going to say what it was. I tried sponsoring your desk and I couldn't even figure it out. And I consider myself fairly tech forward. I like to tinker with new stuff. <laughs> At um, that point, I knew crypto and NFTs weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like brand new stuff. Moonshots. Totally agree with okay. you. So like culture, culture of innovation. Budget. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Risk, risk capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So for that crazy new project. I like it. And maybe crowdsource those ideas. They don't all have to come from the boss. You probably may have really good ideas in your department if you let them, if you provide a safe environment for them to come out. Mm-hmm. Bias towards action. I love it. Trust is worth more than a bigger return. Yeah. Okay. Of course, in fundraising, we always talk about net revenue and raising more money and all of that stuff. Fantastic. I'm very, very much of that mindset. I think there's situations where you got to be like, you know, the trust that we have with current donors or sometimes even brand. Now, not brand in terms of the branding department that doesn't like a crooked logo, but brand in terms of what we stand for, who we are, who people know us to be the kinds of experiences people have with us, that is more important than something that might yield a bigger return. I think that's a balance that you have to keep in mind, which is the long-term viability of your organization is dependent on the long-term trust that you're able to build with people consistently over time by making promises and keeping them. And sometimes you might do something that looks like it's really off-brand, not in terms of the the visual identity, but in terms of the behavior. Or, or even the values. So uh, uh, look at things through a trust lens versus a what is the biggest return possible in this scenario lens. I have, we have to be business-minded. Isn't that, I'm joking. That really resonates, Mike. In fact, we are writing, we're putting together our company handbook, Annual Fund Toolkit. First item, earn trust. And there's a big picture of the, the McKinsey trust formula that we've talked about here on the podcast. And I think what you're saying, so this formula for those who, who weren't with us from the very beginning, says that trust approximately is a combination of how credible you are, how reliable you are, how, the, they have the word intimacy, right? But 
how much you know of a safe environment you create for with other people and then divided by which means that anything under that is bad for trust self-interest so i think what you're saying is that sometimes sacrificing our self-interest increases trust which is good for us in the long run no yeah Mm -hmm. You know, to some extent, the more we can push back that kind of that delayed gratification. So, you know, the more we can push back the immediate return, the bigger return. I don't know if you want to call it return, no, but the bigger trust bank account you're going to have. Yeah. This sometimes Um, happens to faith-based organizations. This is a very common scenario. (laughs) Somebody is willing to give you a big grant. mm -hmm. But as part of that, they say, but all that faith language that you use, yeah, you can't use that. Oh. And an organization might go, I understand that you are a public company and that you don't want your logo and name associated with anything that resembles anything faith-based or faith-related. However, this is who we are. This is at the core of who we are. It's the very reason we were founded. That's not something we're willing to compromise on. That's a very real conversation a lot of faith-based shops have all the time, which is there are companies, foundations out there who love the work you're doing. They don't like any of the faith-related stuff that is kind of wrapped around it. And for many organizations, that is foundational to who they are. And yeah, they make the so choice. What you're saying is that they may take make decisions that undermine trust, maybe internally or with their other donors. Yeah. And because if you prioritize a higher return, you you could argue, well, more money, more mission. At the same time, some donors might wake up one day and say, I don't recognize my favorite organization anymore. And that that's a very real conversation. It, I've seen it happen a lot in the faith-based space. I'm sure there are other examples that happen elsewhere. But that's a very real thing that people struggle with. And the best antidote to that is just be really clear on who you are and who you isn't. And, you know, if you're really clear on that, it's easier to make these decisions. Are we, is that a Winnie the Pooh quote? I don't know. Maybe it should be another first principle of fundraising. Just know who you are and who you isn't. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. So remember trust number four. Trust is worth more than a bigger return. Okay, growth is a choice. Hmm, interesting. So you're saying we can turn growth on and off? Yeah, I think growth is a choice. I'm willing, I know what my own pushback is on this, which is, well, you can't choose external circumstances and external forces. That is true, but you can choose how to react to them. Most of the time, I don't think we're choosing to grow. As in, we say we want to grow, but we're not actually willing to put a strategy behind growth because anytime you grow, it costs you something. It might cost you less money spent on mission for two years and more money spent on fundraising. That's going to make your ratios look really bad for a time. And you don't want to have that conversation with donors. Anytime, anything uncomfortable, anything that requires growth is uncomfortable and anything uncomfortable we tend to shy away from. So it's easier to pursue some sort of managed growth. 10% more this year, 5% more that year, just a little bit more every year rather than, hey, we're going to make a choice to grow 
We're going to focus our attention on key drivers of growth, and we're going to pursue that relentlessly without breaking trust. That's that's a choice. And a lot of organizations are not willing to make that choice. Yeah. And the, you know, the change component, the systematization component that kind of changes the feel of an organization. And I've seen pushback against that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean, and also not to say that this is like automatic. So, like, if you're not growing is because you didn't choose to do so, you know, same on you. Right. But I... I think in general, nonprofits could be more open about we want to grow. And that's part of our strategy. I, I feel like that's kind of frowned upon. I don't know what the resistance is there. Yeah. So and like it's we, kind of, you know, we all want to grow like the number, but saying, okay, this is a growth organization. I think that's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. And I don't think every nonprofit should want to grow. I'm not attaching a positive or negative value or judgment statement to that. You shouldn't want to grow for the sake of growth. Yeah. Some some mega big orgs are sort of in that phase where it's just more for the sake of more. Uh-huh. So I, I think I think that's related to to your why and to what you want to achieve in the world and all and, and, yeah. and all of that. But if you if that is there and if you want to grow, that is a choice that's going to require discomfort. And we did an episode, if you want to grow, here's seven types of debt you're about to incur. None of those are fun. There's going to be culture debt. Sometimes there's going to be money debt. There's going to be tech debt. There's going to be systems and processes debt. You're, you're, all This debt will accrue over time, especially if you're moving fairly fast. You can't keep up with those things. And that's not fun. You're going to have to solve a whole lot of problems if you want to grow all the time. It's not going to be fun. Why? And you might lose a lot of people in the process. Maybe you don't even have the right team to grow, or maybe not everyone well, on your team is is cut out for, for that kind of environment. And that's in the fundraising side, Mike. Think of the program delivery. Not every program scales. So that means you're going to have to maybe kill some programs that were actually working at the smaller scale, but you so that you can focus on those that truly you can do. At, you know, yep. for much larger numbers of people. So really hard choices. I mean, I, I, I totally get it. Yep. The the last reason why I think growth is a choice, it's 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 largely a choice in what not to do. If right now you're doing 80 programs, I don't know, can yeah. you own one of them and say, we're going to be the charity that solves this one issue? And it's going to oh, mean yeah. letting go of a lot of other programs that we're running, but we're going to stake our claim in the ground and we're going to say, we're going to be the org that solves the water crisis in Africa. We know who that org is. Charity Water claimed their entire stake on solving the water crisis in Africa. Well, and revenue streams, right? We we all I think we've talked about the Bridgepan research where orgs that have grown very quickly are not diversified. They actually focused on a, a finite number of revenue streams and said we're going to be really good at corporate at cause marketing at being yeah. a, a partner or we're going to be really good at mass mark you know whatever it is yep yep where where your tension goes the money flows it, it's all connected yeah. it's all connected okay oh no this is coming back to the are we in competition with one another your principle number six charity is not a zero-sum game 
Okay, yeah. explain what a zero-sum game is for some of us, please. One winner, lots of losers. Okay. Charity doesn't work that way. We're we're not really in competition with other charities. Now, if we're saying if we're talking about earned revenue charities like universities and two universities in the same town in which every university gets more students, has more funding, okay, that's a different situation. There there are there is that, I get that. But generally speaking, we're not in competition for donor dollars as much. We're for sure in competition for attention. I can I, all of that. But it's not a zero sum game. The best thing we can do is actually make giving socially more relevant and and like yeah, grow the pie. It's a pie that can still grow a whole lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, Mike that LinkedIn for nonprofits disagrees with you. They had a whole series of content about competition in the market. And I don't know what I was thinking of you. I, I, yeah. I, I felt a little bit sorry if you were reading that. No, um, that's, that's all right. I don't, I don't see that as a competition at all. I'm just like, we have, we have it's not just, a zero. It's not a zero sum game, right? Like that's cool. If that's, if that's the way you see it, good on you. In the words of Big Lebowski, it's like, that's just like your opinion, man. Right. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. Oh, I have going back to number five, growth is a choice. I have another way that growth is a choice. It's a choice in the podcast that you listen to. So if you listen to the donor growth podcast, Maybe that says something about where you want to go. Okay. I love this one. You taught me this. Your calendar and your budget equal your values. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I was on the website of a very well-known innovative charity the other day, and their values were like excellence, honesty. And (laughs) you know what? It's all BS. It's all BS. Because first of all, it's too vague to mean anything. You know, those are the values of every single corporation in America. Nobody puts on the walls dishonesty. Backstabbing. Mediocrity. Backstabbing. If you're into those three things, you're going to thrive in this company. So what are the real values? Well, just open up your calendar and open up your budget. And let's just see where you spend your time and your money. And that will tell you what your values are. Do you care about DEI? Yeah, maybe. There's nothing in your budget about it. We have a department. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You say you're innovative. Do you care? Do you care about innovation? Do you have that 7 to 10% innovation budget? Are are some of your staff working on projects, spending time on projects where you don't know if they're going anywhere? It's just just a test. You have a clear hypothesis, of course, where you would want it to lead. Like, is any of that happening? You say that you are good stewards of of donor dollars and you're efficient and effective. Okay, well, just look at your calendar. How many staff are tied up in meetings they actually don't need to be in? How much are those meetings costing you? There's all these different ways where what we say we care about, but what we actually do don't line up. So the best way to find out what you really value is just like the budget and the calendar. We should start this like virtue signaling meme where we post a screenshot of our calendar and we let people dissect it <laughs> and you like have to explain what you were doing in the blank spots you know right. so like don't de- delete everything before posting yeah that's it what? man those are those are seven first principles of fundraising that will i think serve you well in a recession or at the very least 
keep you entertained in a recession when you're listening to this podcast. Awesome. So maybe we're going to knit them and we're going to offer them as wall decoration for people that comment when they see something about the podcast and who give us a call and say, well, I want to come on a life consulting episode. So thanks everybody. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast brought to you by the Donor Participation Project and buildgood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible.